Hi everyone. So today I'm going to start a series um, about righteous people who lived probably around the 1700s and on. And the reason why I'm so passionate about this is because for me, reading those stories, it's not just stories, but it's things that bring joy, it brings hope, it brings many, many lessons. And the first one that I'd like to start with is the Baal Shem Tov. The Baal Shem Tov's name was Rabbi Israel ben Eliezer. And the stories go that when his soul was up above and it came time for him to come down to this world, he refused. He didn't want to come down to this world. He was afraid of all the negativity, all of the, the things that he didn't want to deal with. He was happy and content up in heaven. He didn't want to come down. So what did the Creator do? The Creator gave him 60 souls to watch over him. And those 60 souls who came down really became his students. So let's start with his father. That's where it all began. Rabbi Eliezer. So Rabbi Eliezer, the Baal Shem Tov's father, lived in a village in Ukraine in the, 17, in the early 1700s. He was so busy with hospitality that he decided to put two guards on the outskirts of the village. Now, mind you, this is Ukraine in like the 1690s, 1700s. He put two guards in the outskirts of the village to just look for passers-by and bring them to his house so that he could feed them and he could shelter them for the night and make sure they were okay before they went on on their journey. Now, in heaven, the angels and the Creator himself were so happy with this, but they knew that he would have to go through some tests to see if he was for real. And then it was decided that Elijah the prophet himself would be the one to test him. So, Elijah the prophet came down in the form of a poor passerby with a knapsack and a cane and arrived at Rabbi Eliezer's house on a Saturday afternoon during Shabbat. This was his test. Rabbi Eliezer didn't say a word to this poor man, not one word about coming during Shabbat because he didn't want to embarrass him. And he invited him to his house to eat and to sleep. He didn't say a word at all. On the contrary, he made sure that he was comfortable, he made sure that he had enough to eat, enough to drink, he had a comfortable bed to sleep in, and he didn't even say anything the next morning when the guest was about to leave. And that's when Elijah the prophet revealed himself to Eliezer and promised him a son that would bring joy and happiness to the whole world. Now for me, that's exactly what the Baal Shem Tov represents. Obviously, it was the Baal Shem Tov who was the son. Through his stories, through his students' stories about his life, it brings a lot of joy and happiness. So the Baal Shem Tov's father died when he was just a boy. And before dying, he said to him, you have nothing to be afraid of. You have nothing to be worried about in this world if you remember that the Creator is always with you. After his father's death, the people of the village sent Israel to a private tutor who, taught him, who was supposed to teach him the ways of the world. So he went and he would study very hard for a couple of days and then he would disappear into the forest and start playing and start doing things in the forest. And you know, the villagers said, you know, the poor child, he's an orphan, that's probably why he can't concentrate. And they would bring him back. 
but he would do this over and over and over and he did it so many times that in the end they just gave up on him so he left and when he grew up we're, and then now we're talking probably about 12 or 13 when he grew up he found a job as a teacher's assistant in the city of Brody so he would go early in the morning and in those days he would have to actually go to each house knock on the door get the child and bring them to school and while he would walk on the way through the forest he would sing different songs with them and he would teach them prayers and it was just very very happy and again in the heavens the angels were so happy with the voices of the children singing and praying but the problem was that satan the evil side the negative side was up there too listening and he wanted to bother israel he didn't want him to succeed in this so he decided to enter into the body of a sorcerer who could transform himself into a werewolf one day the werewolf pounced on the children while they were in the forest with israel and the children went running all over the place they were so terrified some of them went into shock it was a terrible 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 experience that day the parents asked Israel to stop picking up their children from school. They didn't want anything to do with this teacher assistant who almost had their children killed. But Israel was persistent. He remembered what his father had told him about never fearing anything in this world. So he went back to all the parents and he persuaded them to let him take the children again. And that's what he did. And the next time that he went into the woods, he was prepared. He had a stick and when he saw the werewolf, because of course he was going to be tested again, he started beating the werewolf in between his eyes and killing him. And the next day they found the sorcerer dead. So he was able to overcome and protect the children. After that, Israel was employed as, you can think of it as an equivalent, like a janitor in the school. but. Since he had to be there all the time, he realized that he was going to keep all the secrets of his knowledge to himself. And he made a habit of sleeping while everyone was awake and then praying and meditating and studying while everyone was asleep. But because they never saw him, they thought that he was sleeping all night into the afternoon and that he was just a lazy, ignorant bum, basically. Now, before, let's go a little bit back now, before the Baal Shem Tov, there are stories of a man who could make miracles. He was a miracle maker, and his name was Adam. And it's not exactly known where he lived, but we know he lived in Vienna somewhere. Now, like the men before him who could perform miracles, Adam was called the Baal Shem which means the master of the name. This is because he knew the secrets of the names of God and he knew how to use them to heal people on, in their soul and in their body. And this was a very, very ancient secret um, knowledge and writing that basically came all the way down from Abraham the patriarch. When this man knew he was about to die, he didn't know what to do and who to leave the secrets to because he had to pass them down to somebody. And he did have one son, but that son was not on the level where he could actually just give him all these secrets. 
So what does he do? In those times, they were such high souls. He goes in a dream, goes up, Adam goes up to the creator in a dream, and he asks who to give this knowledge to. And he's told to give the writings to a 14-year-old boy who's the janitor by the name of Israel Ben Eliezer in the city of Okup in Ukraine. That's where the Baal Shem Tov was born. So right before he died, Adam asked his son to be in charge of doing this because he was very sickly. He couldn't do it himself. When his son reached the village of Okup and heard about Israel, it was very hard for him to believe that the janitor, this 14-year-old boy, was the one that was going to receive the secrets. I mean, basically, everybody thought he was a bum. Everybody thought he was ignorant. No one really knew who he was. So what does he do? He goes to the boy and he says, listen, I want you to be my servant. You know, in those days they had servants who would fetch their food and basically they had people who would take care of them. So he asks Israel to be his servant and he realizes slowly he's getting to know the boy and he realizes that he's actually hiding all his knowledge. He's hiding who he really is. And so after he was done observing him, he told Israel his secret. And he told Israel that he, his father, Adam, was told to give him all the secrets. And he only asked him for one thing, if he could study with him and teach him all the secrets that his father knew. So Israel agreed, but had one condition, that he keep everything a secret and that he continue to be his, his servant. Now, the people of the village could not be more than happy to get rid of Israel and give him to this man who actually bought a small house outside the city so that no one would bother them. And he took him to be his servant. And this is actually how he received the name, the Baal Shem Tov. Tov means good because he was of good character. And Baal Shem means the master of the name. So he was basically a disciple, not while he was alive, but of Adam. So after this, um, after, after he received the name and after, you know, the Baal Shem Tov was able to overcome the werewolf and he was able to really teach the children many, a couple of years later, um, the parents even began to respect this boy. Everyone realized that he was wise and people used to come to him seeking advice. And when a dispute happened, Israel was asking, was being asked to mediate. And he was so good at it that both sides would usually go away very happy. At the same time, there was a great Kabbalist living in the town of Brody. And his name was Rabbi Gershon of Kitov. His father was in a lawsuit against one of the members of the small community that the Baal Shem Tov taught, one of the parents. He wanted to go to court, but in the end, Rabbi Gershon convinced his father to go to the Baal Shem Tov, to Israel, and see what can be done. So he, did, he agrees to go, and when the man enters the room, his name was Rabbi Ephraim, when Ephraim enters the room, he's shocked, he, he's speechless, he has to look down, because what he saw was a curve of shining light on his forehead, on the Baal Shem Tov's forehead. And he looked down right away and he realized that he had only seen that once before. He had seen it on his own daughter when she was born 
and they brought her to him to see her for the first time, she had that too. He was shocked. He, he, couldn't, he couldn't think, he couldn't talk. But eventually, he looked up and he started telling Israel all of his problems and the issues with the other man. And Israel was listening and listening and he was debating with them and he was talking with them. And finally, he was able to get to a solution where both sides were happy. <coughs> and they weren't just happy, they felt that all of that resentment and all of that anger had just disappeared. And instead of that, there was only joy and love for each other. Later that day, after the father, see, you know, who saw the curve on his forehead, he goes to Israel and he asks him to take his daughter as his wife. And Israel agrees, but has two conditions. One, that it would be a secret until they got married. And two, that on the contract, the marriage contract, this is how they did it in those days, on the marriage contract, it would say only his name, it wouldn't say his title, it wouldn't say that he was learned, it wouldn't say anything. It would just say Israel ben Eliezer, not even where he came from. Because he said to him, you know, you want me to marry your daughter for me, not for my knowledge, right? So that this is what I want. And the man agreed. Now, unfortunately, on the way back home, the man got very sick. And by the time he got home, he passed away. Now his son, Rabbi Gershon, comes to bury him and take care of everything. And while he's going through his father's papers and all of his, you know, settlement and everything, he finds the marriage contract. And on the marriage contract, it has a name of a stranger who he doesn't know. It doesn't have the title. He doesn't look like a learned man. It doesn't say where the man is from. So he's a little shocked. So he goes, he goes and he tells his sister right away. But the only thing she says is, if my father decided that, that that's who I need to marry, it must be right. It must be the right thing for me. And she didn't say an, another word. So after about a year, Israel decides that he's done with his teaching and he needs to leave. Of course, the parents of the students are begging him to stay and they don't want him to go because they, you know their children have become so accustomed to him and loved him and really grew from him. But this is what he does. He decides to dress as a poor person and act and speak as if he's a poor person from the town. And this is how he goes to Rabbi Gershon's house. And he knocks on the door and they open the door and he sees Rabbi Gershon teaching all his students something very deep, something spiritual, and they're in an argument and they're debating the scripture and he just stands there in the doorway and the rabbi gives one of his students a coin to give him because he sees a beggar. But he doesn't accept the coin and he tells them, I need to talk to Rabbi Gershon. So Rabbi Gershon goes, brings him in and they go into a private room together. And Israel goes on to tell Rabbi Gershon that he was there to get married to his sister. And you know, this is the time. Now, Rabbi Gershon is freaking out. He's very concerned. But he called his sister to introduce her to this man who her father wanted her to marry. And he's really concerned because he's a poor beggar. He obviously doesn't know anything. But all she says is that if that's what her father asked her to do, it must have come 
from the creator and she was ready to get married. So now they're arranging the wedding and they're arranging the chuppah, that's where they got married. And before they go into the wedding ceremony, the Baal Shem Tov speaks to his future wife and tells her all his secrets. But he asks her to promise not to say a word to anyone, no matter what happened. And he also said that they were, they were destined not to live a life of riches and that they might have a little bit of a hard life. And she only said whatever would happen was supposed to happen. After the wedding, Rabbi Gershon decides, okay, this is my sister. I'm going to try and teach this man something. So he takes him in and he's trying to teach his brother-in-law lessons and wisdom and secrets. And he's, the Baal Shem Tov is playing stupid. He's playing like he doesn't understand anything and he can't, he can't grasp it. And finally, Rabbi Gershon says to his sister, listen, I'm really embarrassed of your husband. I don't want him here. So either you divorce him or I will buy you horses and a carriage and you can go wherever you want to go. So obviously his sister chooses the second option and they drove until they reached a little town in the Carpathian Mountains where they found a place to live and they built a little home there and there was a little village there and the Balshanto became a clay maker. I guess he would dig the clay out of the mountains and they would sell the clay in the village and they ate very, very simply and you know, bread and water and they didn't have much. And this is the introduction to who the Baal Shem Tov was. Before we even get into the stories, and there are so many that I'm going to share with you of the Baal Shem Tov, this is who he was. He didn't want people to know that he was famous. He didn't want people to know that he knew the wisdom. He lived as a true person. He lived knowing what he knew inside was between him and the Creator. He lived by teaching by example. And in our times, I think it's so important that we look inside and see how we can teach by example. If it's with our children, if it's with our friends, and especially on social media in these days, where I'm not sure how everything is going to go back to normal. But this is the time the Creator is giving us to look inside and see how we can be the best version of ourselves. Thank you.